As a lot of you guys know, my daily driver is a 2007 Infiniti FX35 Sport. It's about time I put some money into it. Can't just drive the NSX around all the time looking nice. Want to get some wheels? For over a decade, 4Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They're dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need for a custom look and added functionality. I was talking about a wheel and tire package. Head over and use a configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so go get outfitted today. Visit them at 4Wheel Online. That's 4Wheel, singular, online. Back to the hard parking podcast, other side of the wheel, sponsored by Wright Honda in Scottsdale, Arizona. Some of the sponsors will be moving around between the two shows. Some may drop. This is a shorter show. If you're not used to this, if this is your first time listening, thank you and welcome to the show. Send us an email. Say, hey, I'm new, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. In the studio with me is my boy, Will. He'll just be chilling. He may or may not say anything. <laughs> What's going on? There he goes. Well, since I have you really quick, let the listeners know what, what you're rolling around in. I uh, had a uh, Lotus Elise, sold that for a 2005 Lexus LS430. Was going to be stock. I don't want to spend too much money on it. Um, went VIP with it. Got bags, wheels, diamond floor mats, if that counts. Now I'm looking for body kits. So it's just an ever, never-ending money pit in a good way. But riding pretty good now, I guess. Well, welcome to the studio, which, by the way, the studio is going to be changing up really soon. Finally getting hardwood floors in here to match downstairs, so I'll be rearranging. So if you watch any of my videos, the background may look a little different. Coming up later on, Arizona's Ride of the Week, which has replaced Jay's Rental Car of the Week. Aaron Forster and his RX-7, plus he's got a few other things that he's into. First, I want to talk about Texas. So I grew up in Texas, kindergarten through 12th grade. Five years afterwards, fooled around, finally went to college in 1999. So for us, snow was not that unusual maybe once or twice every other year or so, and it would usually be gone by like the second or third day. We got a snow day, built snowballs, built snowmen who were dead by 5 o'clock, went and found pickup football games. Hillstorms were always a son of a bitch out there, and um, we didn't have to worry about tornadoes in the city, but we had some bad weather. This year, of course, Texas and surrounding lower Midwest temporarily crippled, and uh, as of this episode release, there's still hundreds of thousands of people without power. If you're a baby hollering in the background, you can blame Will. <laughs> so anyway, this year, of course, Texas and the surrounding Midwest are all fucked up. So there's a couple of guys in their Ford F-150s, and I saw this story where they have a model, a late model, and they offer, they like, they come with generators. So what they're doing is they're taking the generators, and they're running power into their house, power their heaters, power their iPhones, laptops, everything else. And it's basically saved their life. So they're helping out their neighbors, which is really good. Ford has also asked dealerships to lend out trucks to help with this issue. So it's pretty amazing, I think. Maybe like a temporary lease contract or something, maybe. Yeah, and you'd know a little bit about that in your line of work, I yeah, think, right? that's the only thing I can think of is if they do some sort of lease agreement for a month or whatever. I mean, it'd be hard to prorate the value of a car after driving so many miles because that affects them the value of the car in the future. So I don't know how they would do that with a new car because they got to title it and stuff. So I don't know how that would really work, but hopefully that dealership comes up with something so everyone can 
get through it. I mean, this is crazy situation. Like, could they, would they make them like certified pre-owns, which are basically brand new vehicles? Um, if they were leased for a while, yeah. Um, I mean, they could probably be a demo car. You can go up to like 8,000 miles before then you technically have to put it as a used car. Hmm. So that could maybe be something pulling off the units that have less miles and they can rack up up to 8K miles and then throw them on the lot as a used unit. I mean, that'd be something that could probably do. So one of the things that I've been reading online, though, is people are like, man, that's mighty convenient for Ford to lend out their vehicles and use a disaster to boost truck sales. And it's like, well, the Ford F-150 is always in the top three every year. And for people who have that opinion, I don't mind saying it, shut your face. Yeah. Like, really? Like, like, like Ford planned this, right? They got a fucking weather maker and they did yeah, this shit? Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, they're just trying to get some sort of uh, rep out. But, I mean, I think it's just them being humane, you know, just helping out the community is what they can. I mean, the vehicle sales, they're not really happening right now, so they might as well hand out the vehicles and see if they can uh, help people out. Yeah, it's kind of a win-win. Um, in other news, the 1,750-horsepower SAC Totora, I don't even know how to say it, Tuna Tartar, the Tartar car, Tauntaun, that thing. So after a Bosch initial run, Full of rampant technical difficulties, while it claimed to obliterate the Kona Seg, high-speed record of 277.9 miles an hour, posting then an impressive 316 mile an hour on average, because it's really two runs. So one of them was 331, and whatever the math is for the other one. It was debunked by internet people that said, wait a minute, that's something's wrong. That 319 miles an hour, that's bullshit. 360 miles an hour is bullshit. So they just recently, in January, reclaimed on their second attempt. So they like re-ran it to prove the prove their point? Yeah, they, they went, <laughs> yep. Something was wrong with the, I don't know, the GPS on board or something like that. And it was kind of damning because when you watch the video, you can see the Kona Seg hits this marker and they pause it. Then the SSC Tuna Tartar hits this marker and it's the exact same marker, but the time, the miles per hour, they're like, this doesn't make any sense. So they had to re- rerun it and prove it. Now it's 282.2 miles an hour, so they built they beat the Kona Seg by an average of five mile an hour down a 2.3 mile stretch of road. So that's pretty that's, fucking. That's fast. That's fast. That's real fast. That's really fast. And now they want to tackle the Nurburgring. 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 It's another word I have have problems. Nurburgring. Yeah. Nurburgring. But it's cool. But my question is why? Like, like why? Like you can't really do anything. It's not like you can walk into an SSC dealership and buy that car. I don't think. I don't think there's very many of them in the world. Like I could see an Aventador or something where everybody yeah. wants one is going to go buy it, but that sticker price is going to be dumb. I mean, only the one percenters can really afford it, anyways. Even those are stored in the garage for years, put five miles a year or whatever. Yeah, I would say it's like maybe the ten percent of the one percenters. Yeah. Let me tell you about it's. It's kind of funny. I wasn't going to talk about it today, but you just by you saying that. So podcasting is tough. It's easy to do, but it's tough to climb the charts. And if you were to look up, I forgot the website, but if you look up Hard Parking Podcast, it looks at all the active podcasts in the world. So there's just over a million, and I'm in the top five percent out of all podcasts, all categories in the world. Sounds pretty good, right? Right. Because it is, but if you flip that number around, 
what that's saying is I am number like 50,000 to 59,909 most listened to podcasts in the world. Now it's like, damn, there's 50,000, at least 59,998 podcasts that are better than mine in the world. Statistics. <laughs> Makes sense. I see it. So when you flip that number around, it's just like, I don't know. It's impressive, but how impressive is it? So it's just kind of one of those half glass full, half empty type of things. Coming up, we're going to talk to Aaron Forrester. It's time for the new segment, Arizona Ride of the Week. Once again, I am replacing Jay's Rental Car of the Week. I may bring it back if I have a rental car to talk about, but lately, not so much. Sponsored by Higher Quality Detail at Tempe, Arizona, specializes in premium wheel protection, other protections, cosmetic customizations, your one-stop shop, ranging from basic detail and options to ceramic coatings, paint corrections. Visit Ceramic Pro Arizona, one word, on Instagram, or Higher Quality Detail, H-Y-E-R, Quality Detail, also one word. Get started looking your best today. Today's guest is Aaron Forster, AZFDRX7 on Instagram. Hey there. Glad we finally got you on. I think I've been talking to you about this for a long time. You have the 93 Silverstone Metallic RX7. Mm-hmm. You're chosen as the ride of the week. Wanted to highlight, let the world know that we got some good stuff here in Arizona. We got some good stuff here in Phoenix. Tell us a little about your RX7. Well, simply put, actually, uh, I've only had it for a couple of years. Uh, funny thing is that you and I actually have known each other going for beyond that, but I'll, I'll, we'll touch on that later. But as far as the car goes, pretty rare car for a lot of things, not just because it's an FD. People don't realize that there is only about 13,000 FDs that were made and only about 5,000 are actually still registered to be on the road in the United States. I had no idea. Uh, I yeah. just assumed there was more. <laughs> right. You'd think so. I mean, <laughs> Part of it is because the production continued overseas for so long, right. up until 2001. So you're seeing a lot of import stuff, sure. But as far as the like actual U.S. domestic cars, yeah, according to the uh, arc7club.com page, which is the, the big forum, there's about 5,000 FDs still registered to be on the road. Now, granted, that does not include race cars or sure. the, the forever car and jack stands in the garage, but... As far as like the color goes, like the silver on red is actually an extremely rare combo uh, for those who don't know. I'll go to car shows all the time and people say that they, man, I've never seen this. Or is that red? Is that, is that factory? Because they only made the red interior with this combo for one year, um, basically in 93. And then they changed things up going into 94 and then there was not happening in 95. So um, hold on. So we here in the States, it's 93 to 95, right? And, and then overseas, it went to what, 98, 99, 98? 92 is when the official 92. start was for the quote unquote FD body. And then that was about uh, 96. They did a refresh on the FD body. Uh, I believe that, I can't pronounce it properly, but it's called the cookie. Uh, cookie. Is that what the reset was like the, the headlights that were like in the bumper? No, that actually happened in 99. Uh, so there was a mid, mid-model mid refresh where they went from the blob-style taillights in 96 to the more well-known circles, like the, uh, tr- the triple circle. That's right. And then there's this, they also changed the ECU. I want to say it went from like a 16-bit to a 32-bit. And then after that, uh, in 99, they did the bumper refresh and also the, the rear wing. This is when you see a lot of these aftermarket bumpers anymore on the FD. Most folks do the the 99 spec or some similar look to it. It just looks cleaner. It looks better. And then in 2001, 
was the last year, and that's when they did the Spirit R. Uh, those were like basically the the top, the king of the hill, and all those were were numbered. And again, that's over there, not here. When I say there, I'm mm-hmm. talking like maybe Japan, somewhere outside of the U.S. market. Yeah, the big areas for this rotary cars, obviously Japan and New Zealand and Australia. So let's talk about your car. You mm-hmm. got it two years ago. I'm on your Instagram right now, kind of scrolling through, looking at all this stuff because I've seen it at shows and you usually kind of hit me up and show me some of the stuff you're doing. But man, you just, we'll get into it a little bit as to why I understand why yours is so meticulous, but let our listeners know a little bit more about your car and what you've done to it. Sure. The big thing that anybody should know about my car is that it was originally made as an automatic. Now, this has been since swapped to a manual because no FD should ever be in an automatic. It's just sad. So there's a, there's a fun story we can get into later, but the, so the car is, I got two years ago with, from Vegas, from a gentleman who said it was his dream car, but he didn't treat it very well. He, within the few first, first few months he owned it, blew the engine, blew the drivetrain, pretty much trashed it, which is, was very sad. So now hold on. Those, those engines blow a lot though, right? No. At least the, so- the first couple of years. That was a thing. I remember they went, they, they were what? 37, $38,000 cars. And by 1999, 2000, their book value was like 10,000 in Kelly's blue book because yeah, they kept blowing the motors. Nuts. Yeah. So what happens specifically on the 13 B REW, which is what the FD has. This was like the first version of, uh, of the, of the RX-7, that was a sequential turbo setup. Now, this engine had some origins in the Turbo 2 from the 80s and also the Cosmo in Japan. But this engine runs hot. And to comply with emissions, they have to put two catalytic converters on it, which make it run even hotter. And people were buying them, not understanding this this is an exotic engine. You can't just get in and go. You gotta let it warm up. You gotta let it cool down. And there was a recall because there was... the fans weren't quite proper, and then you have an air separation tank that was made of plastic instead of metal, so those would <laughs> burst. It. And I mean, so I can see how that would be a problem. Was, yeah. So because of some very simple mistakes, unfortunately, it ended up being catastrophic engine failure for a lot of people. In my my case, the original owner was this little guy in Texas. Second owner, guy in Vegas, got the car, trashed it. Uh, at least drivetrain wise. And I've, I've been looking for years, uh, basically since I was 14 years old. And then my wife finally gave me permission. I was like, okay, I found the, the color is my dream color, the silver on red. It's ever since I saw it in La Jolla in California. So I told my wife, Hey, this guy only wants nine grand for this car. I had all the bits and pieces, bad engine, bad drivetrain. Now, if you go online right now, Jay, you won't find a nope. roller with a – we're talking a shell for less than like 14 grand anymore. Yep. So I was like, oh, hey, this is a great opportunity. So my brother-in-law, we drive up to Vegas, get the car, bring it back. And in the middle of an Arizona summer, I uh, – <laughs> no, no, no AC, no AC at all, full-blown like July, like 114 plus, pull the engine to get it sent off to get rebuilt. And since then, did the transmission swap. Uh, so it's got full intake through. It's a Pettit racing intake uh, with an M2 box. 
had a racing intercooler, a power FC fuel management, um, which is a very 1990s or an early 2000s for the Fast and Furious crowd who know. It has a three-inch exhaust from the turbos all the way back, no cat at all, just a muffler from Racing Beat. Uh, teen Flex Z coilovers. Uh, I have some custom bodywork. I have some shine side steps, the 99 spec front lip, a twins design rear diffuser, and there's like nobody that has those. And the list goes on and on. There's very little that I have not touched on this car. And that's the thing is the whole mantra I've had since buying this FD was originally I wanted it to be time capsule, but then that evolved into OEM plus. Always. Yep. So that way, when you look at the car, like, oh, this, this looks very clean. Man, it looks like it's, it's been maintained very, very well. I'm like, well, thank you. But like this, and they ask, well, what have you done? And rather than go down a list of saying what I have done, it's much easier to say what I haven't done because all the plastics are now carbon and the gauges are not the same anymore. The rear seats are imported from Japan. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's kind of one of those things where those who know, know, and those who don't just assume the car came that way. Exactly. And that's the whole point. So of all the stuff you've done to your, your FD or 93 RX-7, I hate this question, but I'm going to ask you. Okay. To date, what is your, your favorite thing? Like when you just sit back and look at it, because it's all, you're always working. The, the build's never complete. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm going to have to say my steering wheel in that car for a few reasons. So for starters, uh, 1993, they had the Bill Bulbousy airbag steering wheels. A lot of 90s cars had them. In Japan, though, the airbag mandate was not there yet. So you had a nice little svelte, clean-looking, little rotor, little triangle-looking centerpiece, a lot smaller. There's a company called Garage Alpha who does a lot of really cool custom parts for RX-7s and Supras and a few other like Japanese, like JDM 90s cars. And they said, hey, we're going to do a series of custom Mazda Speed, which is kind of like um, TRD for, for Toyota or um, like Roush. Basically, uh, Mazda Speed is now defunct. So, But they had custom steering wheels, and then they had the Japanese Affini. In Japan, the 92 and 93 RX-7s were known as Affini, so like E-F-I-N-I, Affini RX-7s. I think I've seen it on like Gran Turismo. Yeah, exactly. And... Just like the the Miata was a Yunus. Okay. So these were the yep. ja- these were the Japanese names for that time period. Now, granted that a drop because they were trying to do a sub brand. Anyways, the Fini steering wheel had the logo, which is a triangle like a rotor with a little infinity symbol in the center. So, what Garage Alpha does is they take the steering wheel and then they strip it down to its bare bones. And then, in my case. It got a D cut, so the bottom of the steering wheel is cut and then re- remade. And then it was all wrapped in carbon fiber. It has like red stitching. It was just completely customized to be my steering wheel. It was one off. It was made just for to my specs. What makes it so more unique than anybody else who gets a custom steering wheel from Garage Alpha? Mine has cruise control. Mm, okay. So this is where I'm very, very proud of it and why I'm. Oh, I just when you put it in your hands, like yeah, the steering wheel feels good, but in Japan the Finny wheel didn't have cruise control, so I had to completely fa- like transplant that from my old wheel, make custom brackets, make it blend in like it looked like it was from the factory, and to my success, it it worked. 
And now I have this, I have my cruise control still. I have all my functions. Everything works as it should. But I, now I have this great feeling steering wheel that really is a centerpiece for the interior. That's pretty awesome. I'm sitting here looking at it. And if people want to follow along, AZFDRX7 on Instagram, I see your little uh, cruise control buttons on the right side. So let's pivot because the car is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. And I don't really get to appreciate it much because when I go out, I see it. And I'm usually sitting there on the ground and you walk by, I talk to you for five minutes and then I get in my car and leave. But I'll spend a little, <laughs> spend a little more time on your page. But the fact that you made those brackets doesn't surprise me. Looking at all the other stuff that you've shown me over the past couple of years, none of that surprises me because when you opened up, you said that we've known each other longer than you've had your car. Mm-hmm. You. That's right. Now, I don't remember how, how did I find you? Did I, did I, did I? Just see you made because you you know your whole rocketeer thing was out of this world, and that's back when I was doing my SEMA build, or shortly right. thereafter when I wanted to go to phase two. I'm like, this guy knows how to make some really cool shit. So yeah, years ago, uh, I want to say maybe three or four, uh, through a mutual friend of ours. I don't even remember who it is anymore, but put you uh, in connection with me, and you were asking me about making you some blasters. Yes, uh, that basically the ones that are related to the Robotech. Robotech, yep. So. You and I were going back and forth, and uh, you were trying to get it ready for SEMA, and just timing, and this thing just didn't quite work uh, for that time. But uh, yeah, so initially our conversations were about my my other hobby, which is making like cosplay costumes, replicas, props, all that jazz. And you're pretty fucking good too, like really. Well, good. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I have a harder time taking compliments on on my costume work because there's always somebody better. But thank you. Oh no, I get it because you've done the altered carbon. You just completed a, it's a shotgun? Yeah, the one that I, uh, yeah. So that one, there's a, a lot of conventions anymore because of Current gun times shootings. And, and all that like shit, that. right, yeah. Right, because of the times we're in, don't allow for prop weapons to be at the convention. So I, I finished this replica shotgun. It's called a UTAS UTS-15. And if you look it up, it's it's a scary-looking shotgun it looks really cool for at a convention you're walking around you don't want to carry this big old thing let alone a real gun and there's no airsoft guns for it so only option was well i'll make one so <laughs> i got i was able to find a 3d file that was never meant for 3d printing just for video games and made it come to life you don't have a, an instagram for that craft though do you i do actually what um, is that so that one is aaron's armory that's so that right actually, it's been around for longer uh, than my, my AZFDRX7. In either case, whether it's my cosplay stuff or my car stuff, I always like to have an idea. Like, I want people to come to me and ask, how did I do this so I can teach them? Or, hey, you bought this. Where did you get it? Because I'd rather somebody feel accomplished and skilled by developing their skills than just say, hey, well, um, I'll make you one. Like, no, I'll teach you how to fish not give you the fish. That's fair. Yeah, I'm on the page now. Okay, yeah, I remember. I for sure remember this page. I was like, God, I know it because of the Loki, the low, low, Loki horns. Mm-hmm. So I'm going back to when I really first started getting into it. Uh, one of the first people in the United States, actually, to make a replica Mark III Iron Man armor. I actually got national attention for that. I won a national competition. Goodness. Uh, featured many, 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 many places. And then cool. I... Using that leverage of, hey, my 
my attention to my work for my costuming, I founded a nonprofit charity group called the Arizona Avengers, which are still around. It's a, it expanded into three branches. So you have the East Coast Avengers and West Coast Avengers. But essentially, it's hundreds of people now who dress up in costume as superheroes from the Marvel Universe and do charity work. So hospital visits, Boys and Girls Club, National Adoption Day. I, and I ran that for years until my mom got sick uh, and I had to step down. My wife and I, we actually met at a comic convention. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And, uh, cool is that? Well, here, here's the kind of the weird, creepy thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in for so, the weird, creepy stuff. Oh, yeah. So, so I originally met my wife years and years ago. It was just a casual thing. Unbeknownst to me, uh, she had already followed me on my Instagram for my, my costuming work. So a mutual friend of ours introduced us, but, but my wife tried to play it off cool. She's like, oh, I'm not going to – like she, she, she tells the story. Like, oh, you're so good looking. You're so talented. But she, as she – my wife has rested bitch face, really like RBF, really bad. Okay. So she comes up. She's trying to play it cool. And I'm like, damn, like, you are okay. Hi, nice to meet you. And like, great. And that was our first interaction. That's funny. Then years later, I tried doing a little side business. Just selling cosplay – uh, like contacts and some supplies, just all the little accessories that people need to really put the finishing touch on it. And my now wife, uh, she actually ordered a set and it was my first round. So I was reaching out to every single of uh, the customers and say, Hey, how did, how did those, con- those colored contacts work out for you? And the conversation just kept going. Uh, we actually just really hit it off. And then she reminded me, Hey, we met. And I come to find out that she, my, my wife had fangirled me for years, unbeknownst to me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she was like, she used to, especially when I did my Loki costume. So uh, this is not the Avengers Loki. This is not uh, like the, the fabric. This was from the first Thor film. So it's the more, the Kenneth Branagh, a little bit more slick and polished. Uh, right. The horns aren't quite as pronounced, but it's, anyway, it was that version, the armor. And my wife would, when she was in college, she would like show her friends. She's like, "Oh, see this guy right here. See this guy right here. Like that's the kind of guy I want to. I want to date." And then when she like she was actually like just kind of like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this this guy who I've always had a crush on reached out to me and we hit it off. And then funny story is my wife and I start talking. The first time out, come to find out, her younger sister, I should say, younger sister's best friend was the wife of my cousin, and her brother-in-law works for my cousin and so it was just really this small world this super small where, world yeah like and granted yeah we had a mutual friend but as far as like her, our families were really closely connected for years unbeknownst to us and here we are um gosh seven years later together now you said something earlier because I, I think most people we just call it what cosplayer but you said cost something else are there well, other are there more technical terms like in the industry yeah. and just everybody from the outside calls it cosplayer so the term cosplay really comes from Japan, more or less, uh, the idea of costume play, dressing right. up in costume and playing around. Easy, right? And it's become pretty much part of the vernacular in the comic convention community where now I say, hey, I'm going to cosplay something or hey, look at my cosplay. It's a, it's a noun and an adjective. There is a segment of the convention culture that don't like the idea of cosplay or no i am a costumer i am a professional costumer sure um i get it so there, there's some of that i'm very similar to like in the car community to where 
you have enthusiasts and then you have collectors. I mean, or you have people who want to be like, oh, boy racer. And then you have people who want to be purists. I mean, it, you have those divisions in any type of hobby. Yeah. And on the outside looking in, you're all the same, but on the inside, you couldn't be more different. Oh, absolutely. And ultimately, and this is where you can see a parallel between both the cosplay and the car community is it's meant to have fun. You're supposed to have a good time. And if you're not having a good time, then you're doing it wrong. I'm stealing that. That might be my next (laughs) Instagram post. I didn't really understand this world, not to the sense where I didn't like it. I just didn't understand all the stuff that was involved until I started tinkering around myself. Oh, geez. And some things I would have done differently once I've learned and watching you. So I think I discovered you after I did what I did because I I did my ejection panels all as one giant piece instead of a bunch of small pieces to get put together. Mm-hmm. I realized that was a huge mistake. But just the dedication and the, the, the craft and making plastic and foam look real, like real metal. Like that in itself is just, it's just so amazing, man. And I just can't, well, can't say that enough. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. And something that you can take a parallel between the costuming world and cars again is the attention to detail. I yep. mean, for years, I judged costume contests. I've actually run costume contests that's in the largest conventions in the world. And when you judge these kind of things, it's all the details that matter. It's all the subtle things. It's all the, hey, well, I, I did this by hand as opposed to, having it bought all these little things just come together to make this beautiful cohesive product or costume in this case or in the parallels of the car world once again all the it's the little things all the attention to detail that really make this car being like a beautiful piece of art yeah and you've done a fantastic job coming from you know making the the professional looking the replica props and costumes to your RX-7 and it shows, it shows, it really, really shows. No, thank you. You got anything for the people? You got the Facebook and you have the gram. Yep. So, uh, my costuming stuff, um, I have two places, Facebook and Instagram. So it's Aaron's armory for both, but for the car, it's AZFDRX-7. But my only closing thought is no, my car is not LS swapped. And also (laughs) I'm, I'm never going to LS swap it. Thank you very much. And lastly, Rotaries are reliable if you know what the hell you're doing. Nice. Way to nail the, the dismount on that one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree <laughs> with you on that one. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks again. Have a good one, everyone. Special thanks to the very talented and craftfully articulate. I think I just made up a word there, craftfully. Aaron Forrester, you can check out his RX-7 on Instagram at azfdrx 7 and you can check out his incredible replica props at Aaron's Armory all ran together, A-A-R-O-N-S-A-R-M-O-R-Y. He was being very humble about his amazing works. That guy has got some next-level talent. also want to thank Will for coming in the studio today and spending the opening segment with me. You can follow him on Instagram at will.ls430. Just got off the phone a few hours ago with the Horsepower Hour which is an awesome automotive podcast with Andy and Coy. So that should be dropping early this week as well. So be on the lookout on social media for me posting the hell out of that. That is the horsepower hour. Coming up in future episodes, NS Extra, Chris Cut, friend of the show, wants to come on and talk about cryptocurrency and help answer questions about a very foreign thing for a lot of us. You know, it's like you don't want to put your money somewhere that you're unsure of. That's kind of the smart play, I think, for most people. 
but a lot of other people just took the risk and it's paying off pretty well. So, so he would like to maybe dispel some of the falsities as well as share some of his hard lessons for those of us out there looking to get involved and make sure we don't make the same mistakes. We'll also be doing a follow-up episode to the student loan forgiveness. So if you haven't listened to that episode a few episodes ago, I hardly encourage it. We tackled it from several perspectives, but alas, there's always more to discuss. We left some rabbit holes. We left some rabbit holes. Rabbit holes everywhere. Special thanks to the show's sponsors, Right Honda, Kui Automotive, Higher Quality Detail, NSX Channel on Instagram, Booster Bath, Tongue Treats, and Four Wheel Online. So hang on after the show to hear a word from some of those sponsors. You can follow me on Instagram at NA2NSX or JTravels, that's J-H-A-E underscore travels. Check out the YouTube Hard Parking Media. You can support the show on Patreon, Patreon forward slash Hard Parking Podcast. There's a link in the show description. Buy gear from the Teespring store for now. I don't know how long the Teespring store is going to be up because you people don't want to buy anything. Most importantly, if you like the show, tell a friend and help the show grow. Leave a comment, leave a review, especially if it's on Apple. That review helps this thing out big time. I can't grow unless you tell all your friends and family how great this show is. So let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Are you tired of blowing out your back at the bathtub while washing your dog or subjecting your canine to a water torture bath while leashed up to a post outside? Now there's a far more effective way to wash your pet while saving your back and keeping your dog happy. It's called Booster Bath, a portable bathtub on legs. Head over to BoosterBath.com, one word, and pick one up. Available in three sizes, this tub system features a drain, a soap cubby, and water-controlling wand. This tub conveniently breaks down to be stored when not in use. Want to save 10% on your first-time purchase? Head over and sign up today to make that happen. BoosterBath.com Are you tired of your dog losing its cool in a thunderstorm or fireworks? You might want to look at Tongue Treats. TongueTreats.com High anxiety relief, pain relief, inflammation relief. It's a direct connection between the tongue and the brain. Doesn't waste time going down to the stomach, where it gets broken down, enters the bloodstream, then to the brain eventually. By then, little Izzy, my dog, has been hiding under the house for like 20 minutes. The Tongue Treat CBD strips provide rapid results for your pet with the right amount of CBD, which is not psychoactive. It's important to test and verify your pet is getting the proper dosage. A single strip should be enough. Have doubts? There's certified analysis from a lab available on the website. Think about it. Efficacy and economy. Tongue treats. Now it's stripping time. Shut up!